Welcome to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast with April Elliott Kent and me, producer and co-host Jen Brown. Hey friends, Jen here. Today is February 8th, 2021. You know who's with me. She's my co-host. She's my friend. She's here to help me get through the longest show sheet I've ever seen. She's <laughs> astrologer April Elliott Kent. Hi, April. Hi, Jen. Surely we've done longer show sheets, but you're right. It's been a while. There is a lot going on this week. Although we have a long show sheet today, pal, we did want to mention something to the good folks, our friends here. Well, we wanted to make the offer an invitation to anyone out there in our audience who might be interested in being a sponsor of the Big Sky Astrology podcast. You know, some weeks ago, we were happy to introduce you to the Fonabel Tarot, that wonderful project. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, it really was. And of course, alert listeners will have noticed that we've been having an automatically inserted ad that's been running over the last couple of weeks. But if there's anybody out there that is working on some project or product or something that they think would be of particular interest to our very lovely audience, hit us up. Send an email to april at bigskyastrology.com and we'll talk with you about it and whether we think that it's a good fit if anybody is interested in doing that. Yeah, we're trying to make the podcast more sustainable. That's an excellent way of putting it. What a good word. Well, it's true. That's what we're trying to do. Yeah. And so with the ad that you all have been hearing and possible sponsorship from anybody else that might be a good fit, bring it on. Let's chat. Awesome. Well, terrific. And I mean, I really think that that is very much in keeping with the spirit of Valentine's Day, which we have this week, right? <laughs> it might be a match. Who knows? It might be a match. Might be a perfect match. We shall see. Maybe someone would like to sponsor Moonwatch. Moonwatch. <laughs> we'll give you an opportunity to thrill to that a little later in the episode as well. Absolutely. And imagine your ad here. <laughs> perfect. Well, my friend, what do you want to begin with this week? As you say, we have a lot going on in the skies this week. Where shall we start? This week, we will begin February 8th with the sun joining up with Mercury at 5.48 a.m. Pacific time, 20 degrees and one minute of Aquarius. Mercury will pass between the earth and the sun in what's called an inferior conjunction. I think that seems very mean. Mm. That's a very mean way of putting it. There's nothing inferior about it. That's what I read on NASA, though. <laughs> well, NASA, you're mean. Imaginary sponsor, NASA. <laughs> <laughs> yes, don't be mean to our little friend Mercury, who is struggling enough at the moment. Yes, thank you for explaining that. Of course. Well, in Aquarius... The sun really struggles because it's in the sign of its detriment. It's the sign opposite the sign that it rules, which is Leo. 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 But Mercury is very strong in Aquarius. It's the sign of its exaltation. I think that we can sometimes feel during the Aquarius season a sense of being a little bit low energy. And part of it is here in the Northern Hemisphere, it's the colder time of year, the shorter days. The sun doesn't have a lot of time to shine during the day because the days are so short. And we can find ourselves dragging around feeling a little disillusioned, a little disappointed. I mean, the Sabian symbol for this conjunction is a woman disappointed and disillusioned. <laughs> so if you find yourself oh, feeling that way with the poor old sun and Aquarius, seek help from Mercury. 
Mercury is the stories that we tell ourselves. I had a really fun message over the weekend from one of my oldest friends. We went to grade school together. I've known her since I was 10 years old. Okay. She sent photographs to me of me and some of our other classmates and her back when we were in our early teens. And it was stunning to me to see those. And the thing that was amazing was that even though I hadn't seen some of those people in 45 years, I knew every one of their names Hmm. just without hesitation. Yeah. And it put me right back. There was something about seeing those pictures that really took me back to that earlier time in my life. And it was kind of nice, actually, to think about how far I've come since then, how far all of us come from the age of 10 Mm -hmm. or whatever it was to the adults that we become through the choices we've made and the practices that we've adopted and the things that we've learned. And I think Mercury can do that for us at this time to help us either remember times when we were successful or just remembering, touching base with who we used to be and telling a slightly different story about ourselves, which is something we often say when Sun and Mercury are coming together. Because the Sun's about identity, right? Yeah, and Mercury is the way we frame that Mm -hmm. and the context that we give to it. And particularly when Mercury is turning retrograde. And during this week, Mercury will, by retrograde, make aspects to a lot of planets that it has already aspected in recent weeks. Part of this is a step back, not only to who we used to be long ago, but maybe rethinking some things, resetting our thought processes from where we have been over the last few weeks. Especially if you're disappointed and disillusioned, perhaps. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is something with the sun in a conjunction to Mercury about being too much into our own heads and not having enough objectivity. I think this Mercury being in Aquarius where it's strong gives us an opportunity to rethink that story a little bit, take it in a new direction. Nice. Well, one of the things that Mercury retrograde is going to do that it's done recently is by retrograde, it will trine the north node of the moon on February 9th at 10.31 p.m. Pacific time. February 10th, most other places, at 17 degrees and 59 minutes of Aquarius and Gemini, respectively. This is the second of three trines from Mercury to the North Node. The first one was on January 20th, and that would have been Inauguration Day here in the United States. And I think we were all focused so much on that Mars-Uranus conjunction that happened that day. Yes. That was a little unsettling and not necessarily paying a lot of attention to Mercury trying the North Node. This is, as I say, the second of three trines. There was one on January 20th, one this week on February 9th or 10th, and then the final one on March 2nd. And I think of this process of reinventing our story, and you're always trying to get me to self-correct if I say (laughs) bad things about myself or to myself or I'm beating up on myself. I have been known to do that, yes. You have, and it's a good practice, and it is a practice. It's something you have to practice doing speaking kindly to yourself and to others. And also, I think of Mercury trying the North Node as being language that uplifts us. And I know on Inauguration Day, a lot of people were very impressed by the young poet, for instance. Amanda Gorman. Mm -hmm. Who gave such a beautiful and uplifting presentation. So this is about, I think, on these couple of days, using language, using our thought processes to lift us up rather than getting into this downward spiral that we can get into of negativity. 
It's probably worth pointing out that when something is trying the North Node, such as Mercury in this case, it's automatically sextile the South Node. Mm -hmm. And so it might also be an opportunity to let go of language like you're talking about that is not helpful. Yeah, that's a good and positive way to look at that one. Uh But it's an opportunity and it's a little more conscious. The trine is something that happens a little more effortlessly. Sure. Yeah. Well, next up we have Mercury Square Mars on February 10th at 4.16 a.m. Pacific Time at 17 degrees 43 minutes. Mercury in Aquarius, Mars in Taurus. What can you tell us about this? Well, this is also the second of three aspects that Mercury retrograde is making. And it previously squared Mars on January 8th. And then it will finish up with the third square on March 23rd. So we're right in the middle of this sequence. January 8th was a little bit of a difficult time here in the U.S. Yeah. It was a couple of days after that very difficult business at the Capitol. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of talk flying around, a lot of discussion about what had happened, what should happen subsequent to that, a lot of commentary about speech, how speech should be used, the power of words to provoke anger. And all of this is in keeping with Mercury square Mars, I think. But also remember that these can be words that motivate. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, Mercury is kind of about language. And we are fired up when Mars is on the scene. And I think appreciating the power of language and that it can really uplift us, as in the case of trying North Node, or motivate us, which is the better expression of Mercury square Mars. But we can also be a little quick to anger, I think, and take words the wrong way and become angered. So take heed, friends. Take heed. And just, you know, it it is around those days, around the 9th and the 10th, remember that we care a lot about the food that we give our bodies and the way we get exercise and all of that. And I don't find that we take quite as much care with what we feed our minds and the media that we take in and the way we have almost conditioned ourselves to take offense and to take things the wrong way and to feel we have to defend our position or argue almost constantly, either online or even with people in our lives. So I think that those are a good couple of days, the ninth and the 10th, to remember words are important. They have great power and that we should respect their power. Mercury's on the Sabian symbol, 18 Aquarius, a man unmasked. And Mars is on 18 Taurus, a woman holding a bag out the window. So I like the idea of shaking out some of those old thoughts, some of that (laughs) anger, some of that nastiness. A man unmasked has two kinds of interpretations as well. It can be that through our words, we are shown for what we are. And that can be a good thing. Or depending, it can be a sort of unpleasant thing. It can be that we are even shown to ourselves as someone who is holding thoughts that are not optimal, that are not the best, that are not uplifting, but rather that are really kind of uh, turning away and almost feeding on anger and contention. Mm -hmm. I think you make a good point. Words really shape thoughts, Mm -hmm. thoughts shape actions, and you have to start with your inner dialogue sometimes. Quite so. Nice. Quite so. What's up next, pal? Well, we have Venus making a conjunction to Jupiter on February 11th, 6.59 a.m. Pacific time. Let's see, on 12 degrees, 34 Aquarius, 
and the Sabian symbol, a barometer, which I think we talked about we did recently. recently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's showing up a lot, this one. So this begins a new synodic cycle, two planets coming together in a conjunction, Venus with Jupiter. So this one is beginning a cycle, a Jupiterian cycle of daring and adventure and optimism, especially in our relationships, in our financial matters, in our values. I tell a story on my blog this week about when I first got engaged. And I remember my future husband and I driving somewhere and him saying about how because we had gotten together, everything seemed possible. Mm. And it's a lovely memory Mm -hmm. because when you're first with someone, you're first in a partnership with someone, it really does enlarge your world so much. There's so much potential there. Yeah. And so this is the beginning of that kind of cycle. And it's in Aquarius, you know, the wild blue yonder and the things that we conceive now with optimism and a sense of adventure are things that have the potential to move us into the future in a really positive way. The barometer symbol here, you know, it is a device for taking air pressure Colloquially, it's also a way we say, well, we're taking the temperature of public opinion with a barometer. Something is a barometer of opinion. It's also a David Bowie song. It is. Isn't it? Can you sing a little bit of it? Under pressure. Oh, okay. (laughs) Under pressure. All right, folks, with your bingo cards, spontaneous singing, check it off. <laughs> yeah, I remember under pressure. I was trying to think, did he have a song called Barometer? I couldn't get it at all. Oh, and that's such a beautiful symbol because, wow, what an Aquarian vibe yeah. from Mr. Capricorn and David Bowie. That's wonderful. Oh, is he a Capricorn? Mm-hmm. He'd have something Aquarius, though. I love that you know that. That's great. Oh, you know. Back to this conjunction, I think it's worth pointing out that Saturn is the ruler of Aquarius. And so let's just remember, as all of this action is happening in the Aquarius house, that there might be a bit of a weighty Saturnian feel to some of the transits. Well, and a sense of commitment. That's Mm. what I like about it is the potential for really digging in. You know, we're going to talk a little bit next week about Saturn square Uranus, which is one of the really big aspects of the year, and we have it three times, we'll have the first pass on February 17th. And the big battle, really, I think, for this year within each of us is what do we commit to? And can we stick with a commitment even when something else appears that wants to knock us off our trajectory? It's like we talked about, I think it was last week, with Venus. First making a conjunction to Saturn, it's like, wow, I'm really going to commit to this. And then immediately encountering Uranus, which says, no, let's do this instead. It really is about what will we stick with? What do we want to give our commitment to? I kind of like that Saturn dimension in there to balance out the capriciousness almost of Aquarius. To balance out the puppies and kitties, maybe. Kitties! Kitties! (laughs) Puppies. Puppies! Sparkly! (laughs) (laughs) So this week, everything feels possible. And it feels, you know, to bring in what you said about Saturn, it's like the conversation with Johnny when we got engaged was, Not just because we were together and in love, because we had made a commitment that we said, yes, we're going to marry each other. And within that commitment came all the promise, you know, Mm -hmm. because when you feel you can depend on something, 
then there's a whole lot more possibility there. I like it. And in this Valentine's week, I share that little memory with you all and say, hey, yeah, sometimes commitment is what makes everything possible. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember when Joni and I first saw an astrologer years and years and years ago, Mm -hmm. he looked at both of our charts and he said, you should know that you two are stronger together than you are individually. And we really felt that, both of us, and I think we still do. Yeah. Saturn can be a good lasting planet if you have it in sinistry. It is. You want to see it in sinistry. You want to see it in a wedding chart. You want to see that these are people who are willing to stick it out through the hard times because that's a guarantee. Because you're learning to be stronger as individuals by working together as a team. So there's always that element of work there. Say what sinistry is, won't you, April? Sinistry is comparing the planets in one person's chart to the planets in another person's chart. So you will, for instance, superimpose, say, your Mars, which is at a particular degree in a particular sign. You will find where that degree and sign falls in your partner's chart, in their wheel, because you are bringing Mars to that area of their chart. You'll also look at how the planets in your chart aspect the planets in the other person's chart. So if that Mars is further squaring their Saturn, let's say, you are introducing an element of Mars that will kind of provoke their Saturn and provoke them if they become too closed down or their boundaries become too narrow or they say no too much to themselves, to things they might want to do. No. Yeah, an upturned palm. (laughs) This far, no further. The planet of no. (laughs) The planet of no. All right, pal. Do you know what time it is? Is it Moonwatch? Moonwatch. Play it! (laughs) That was a lot. That was lovely. And it was really a lot of fun to use this Uranian (laughs) Aquarian energy and just mix it up a little bit. Why not? Well, we have a new moon this week, April, don't we? We do indeed. It's an Aquarius new moon on February 11th at 11.06 a.m. Pacific time at 23 degrees and 16 minutes of Aquarius. My friend, this week we reach peak Aquarius. So much Aquarius. So very much Aquarius. Six planets in the sign of Aquarius. And it is a crazy looking chart. We have the new moon, you know, the sun and moon, Mercury, Venus, and Jupiter all square Mars. We have Mercury, Venus, Jupiter, Saturn, all square Uranus. And of course, Saturn isn't exactly square yet, but it will be next week. It's a lot of tension. Mm -hmm. A lot of pointy bits. Pointy bits, exactly. I feel like we should have a song about pointy bits (laughs) that we could regularly sing when there are squares. Pointy bits, oh pointy bits. Pointy bits. Pointy bits. I'm playing alto today. It's fun. Do it. But it's a passionate new moon. It's passionate in the sense of emotions being charged up. And the Sabian symbol for this new moon is a man turning his back on his passions and teaching from his experience. Now, this is an interesting one to me because on one hand, I sort of associate Aquarius with passion, but it's more a passion of the mind and things that we're really zealous about. But the man in this symbol turns his back on his passions and instead is going to teach from experience. And I read this as teaching from experience and knowledge rather than from an emotional place, which is the passions. 
And I think that it's probably a pretty good moment in history for this kind of Sabian symbol at the new moon. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably a pretty good thing for people to step back just a little bit from their extreme emotions and instead to share what they have experienced and what they know. And again, you know, with this North Node being in Gemini, we keep saying it, to be humble about what we think we know, instead of having quite so much conviction that we're absolutely right about things. So it's a sensational looking new moon. Yeah was so much an Aquarius. So, I mean, really, if you do nothing more than look at the Aquarius house in your chart and just know that that is where almost all the energy is concentrated at this new moon cycle, other than also the house where Taurus is. And if you just take those two and say, okay, here are the areas of my life where I'm going to have conflict, there's going to be tension, I'll be at war, not only with the world, but within myself. Again, getting control of the emotions And getting in touch with what we know seems to be the work of this Aquarius new moon. Yeah. The symbol also makes me think that it's about turning back to what you know, you know, which is really good for Mercury retrograde, going back to what you know. Ah, excellent. And maybe do it with a friend in Aquarius. You've got friends that you want to pull in. Yeah. And trying to reconnect with friends. I've been really thinking, well, since I got those photos from my friend, this is someone, you know, like your oldest and dearest friends that maybe you talk every two years, but it's like you're just finishing a conversation you started then. Oh, yeah. Because you're so close. Love that. But I've thought a number of times over the weekend about a few people I should, not should, but that I kind of want to touch base with. And we're kind of, I'm afraid, at least I am falling out of the habit of that a little bit. The longer the pandemic goes on and the more we're apart, Mm -hmm. you can only do so much texting and make so many phone calls and so many Zoom calls in a week until you're like, oh, (laughs) you just want to be sitting having coffee with somebody somewhere. So this is also about making that effort Mm -hmm. and reaching out to people and finding ways to do it that feel nourishing and fulfilling. Yeah. So it's a great new moon for drafting long-range plans. And just know that because of all the squares to Mars and Uranus, look within yourself for the ways that you are holding yourself back from the things you want to do. Because I'm finding that those two planets together in Taurus are really digging in their hooves and trying to keep us from forward motion. We have to contend with that within ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Figure out how we're going to get from here to there. Do you want to say anything else about the Saturn-Uranus square for folks, since this is the new moon cycle that will be happening when we have the first Saturn-Uranus square? If folks want to begin something that might tie into that, is there anything that would be helpful? I think it's looking at the future and just knowing that you're not going to get there without effort. Yeah. That's what this huge story is. It was Aquarius, look at your future, figure out where you're going. And almost just as strong, 90 degrees away are Mars and Uranus and Taurus saying, but part of you doesn't want to go there. So be examining that and know if you are projecting up, okay, this year I really want to accomplish this. Know that there are forces not only outside you, but within you that will be trying to hold you back from doing that. And if you're aware of that, then you can honor both sides. You can honor the Taurus side that says, don't jump before you're really ready. Make sure you've got everything in place that you need. 
and make sure that you have the social connections or business connections that you need to make these things really possible for the long term. I hope that that helps. It is a very complicated square. We'll be talking about it a number of times this year, I'm sure. And next week we'll be talking about it Mm -hmm. because that'll be the first official time that we're having that square. Exactly. But you're right to bring it to this new moon moment because we're all very conditioned to think, okay, I'm going to plant my seeds of intention and, you know, get something moving for the future. Perfectly okay to do it. But again, Mercury's retrograde, and there are a lot of squares to Mars and Uranus and Taurus. Yeah. So it's probably a better time to look back and say, okay, what have I been wanting to do for a long time? If I've been wanting to do it for a long time and it still seems interesting to me, this might be a good time to get serious about it, to buckle down, but just to know it's not going to be easy and you're going to have to really work hard for what you want. Next up, we have Mercury retrograde joining up with Venus on February 12th at 11.48 p.m. Pacific time. 14 degrees, 42 minutes of Aquarius. There's 60 minutes in a degree, and so that's very nearly 15 degrees of Aquarius. If you know your chart, you can look and see where that is. Mm -hmm. That's where the action's happening. Mercury is emerging at dawn as a morning star. I believe on the 11th, I'll put a link in the show notes. Oh, lovely. Look to the southeast horizon at dawn, about 20 or 30 minutes before the sun rises, just barely above the horizon. Mm. And you can see Mercury and Venus together in the sky. Two birds singing on a fence. Perfect. Which is the Sabian symbol for this conjunction. (laughs) Yes. Just sitting there singing away. And after the difficult Mercury-Mars aspect that we had just a day or two before, this seems to me to talk about a happy resolution of quarrels or disagreements or tensions in our relationships. It's a fairly fleeting aspect. I love that you touched on the Morning Star aspect of Venus. That's nice. Mercury kind of sitting together with that. It's a lovely shimmering little image. I like that. We always celebrate Venus being a strong symbol, being ascendant in the sky. We love to see Venus. Yes. As opposed to our friend Mars. Next up on the show sheet, sextile Neptune on February 13th, 6.13 p.m. Pacific time at 19 degrees and 42 minutes of Taurus and Pisces. The Sabian symbols are really nice for the sextile, and the sextile's nice anyway. Mars is what we do and working and struggling and all of that stuff. A sextile is an opportunity, an invitation, and Neptune has this nice, soft, glowing, empathetic quality. The Sabian symbols for this combination are 20 degrees Taurus, wind, clouds, and haste, That's Mars. That's dreamy. I love it. And Neptune's on 20 Pisces, a table set for an evening meal, one of our favorites. Yeah. I have this vision about this one, which is, let's say that you've been working hard all day out in the cold and the wind, and you trudge inside, and there's this beautiful warm room with a table set for dinner, and it's your favorite foods, and there's candlelight and a fire. Mars and Taurus might be determined to get things done and has to make the choice, which is the sextile, to break for the evening and relax and take nourishment and enjoy fellowship. (laughs) That sounds very lovely for any kind of celebration you want to have. For sure. I think. Yeah. It's sort of what's your dream and how can you take action on it? Mm Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. I like wind, clouds, and haste for Mars. It's really nice. It really does sound like it's out there just trying to make things happen, but remembering that, yes, sometimes you have to take a little bit of a rest and refuel and recharge and relax. Mm-hmm. We have two big things happening on Valentine's Day. The first one is Mercury joins up with Jupiter at 1.39 p.m. Pacific time, February 14th, of course, at 13 degrees, 20 minutes of Aquarius. This is nice, isn't it, Mercury with Jupiter? Definitely. But here's the vision I got of that is the Sabian symbol for this is a train entering a tunnel. Focus, direction. But Mercury is entering the tunnel backwards. <laughs> and it kind of <laughs> collides with Jupiter. Uh-oh. But Jupiter's pretty soft and forgiving, I think, in this instance. This is the second of three conjunctions as well. Mercury was here on January 11th. And it's here again on February 14th. We'll finish on March 4th. Mercury retrograde can always connect us with people from the past, especially in Aquarius, old friends, people that we have known from a long time before. And as it comes together with Jupiter, I think there is also something about legal proceedings. And I know that on January 11th, I believe that is when the House of Representatives brought articles of impeachment against the former president. And this is the week when the Senate is supposed to take this up. I just made the connection timing-wise of what was happening around that date. And Jupiter, again, is about the law. Mercury is about revisiting things that have happened before. It'll be interesting to see how that proceeds yeah. this week as well. Sure will. You know, Mercury and Jupiter are always interesting to bring together because they're opposites, really. Jupiter is the big ideas, and Mercury is about how we break them down into little actionable bites. This could be a good moment in the week for that, to think about all of the big things that we would like to do and how we are going to approach that in a step-by-step -step way. But this is an unfolding story, and March 4th will be the last pass of this unfolding story. Is that right? Correct. I'm looking for this whole story to find some kind of resolution around the time that Mercury turns direct. I think it's February 21st. And then coming into early March, things seem to be wrapped up. Good deal. What's up last, pal? Well, lucky last is Venus trying the North Node. Also on Valentine's Day, 9.09 p.m., 17 degrees and four minutes Aquarius and Gemini. In contrast to last Valentine's Day, when Venus was square the nodes, this year we have a trine from Venus to the nodes. So relationships generally are moving in a direction of evolution, of better communication, because the North Nodes in Gemini, new ideas, even new connections, if people have been wanting to make a love connection, may be a little more possible when Venus is trying the North Node. And as you pointed out, sextile, the south node, mm -hmm. which is to get away from relationship patterns that have not been serving us in the past. One that comes to mind is you meet a lot of people who want to have a relationship, but they keep getting involved with people who are unavailable for some reason. They live far away. They're in another relationship, whatever it is. At the moment, there are problems with the pandemic. It's harder for people to get out and meet people. But Venus sextile the south node in Sagittarius, I think, is saying, yeah, you have an opportunity to keep doing that, to keep using physical distance or other levels of unavailability to keep you from actually getting into a relationship. 
because we may think we want something very much and then sabotage ourselves at every turn. The sextile there to the south of us, you can keep doing that if you want. However, we're going to throw this wonderful opportunity right in your path, and we suggest that you keep your eyes open and notice it when it comes your way. That sounds like it could be beautiful. I think so. One more piece about Valentine's Day. Yes. I looked up where the moon will be because I was curious. And around 8 a.m. Pacific time, it moves into Aries, Mm -hmm. which just means it'll be making friendly aspects to all of those Aquarius planets. Nice. Yeah. That is helpful. Mm -hmm. And Aries can be a very romantic, very passionate sign. We often forget that, but it's true. Yeah. So enjoy that. And we hope everybody has somebody fun and lovely to share some portion of their Valentine's Day with. Sure. Why not? Why not indeed, my friend? (laughs) All right. Well, we have made it to the end of our epic show sheet. I think it's everything. Have we done it? We've done it. I've come to the end of my fizzy water, and that means it's the end of the show. (laughs) I think fizzy water is very appropriate for so many planets in Aquarius, square Uranus. Hooray for fizzy water. Excellent. Thanks to all of you for listening to the Big Sky Astrology podcast while you drink any beverage of your choosing. (laughs) If you like what you're hearing, be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a rating or a review, and we hope that you will help us spread the word by telling a friend. You can read show notes and full transcripts and leave your comments about each episode at our website, BigSkyAstropod.com. We're grateful to everyone who showed support during our podathon. Each week, of course, we thank one or two of you by name. Who do we have this week, April? This week, we want to give a Big Sky Astrology podcast shout out to Heather Liston and Michelle Matsuda. <laughs> Heather and Michelle, we appreciate you both. We thank you so much for listening to our podcast and for supporting us during our podathon. And we hope you enjoyed the bingo card. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And if you're a listener who didn't get a chance to support us during our podathon, you can always make a donation at our website, bigskyastropod.com. If you donate $5 or more, we'll invite you to our special episodes for the equinoxes and solstices, and you'll also get to see the cool bingo card. That's right. Well, that is it for us this week. Join us again bright and early next Monday, and until then, keep your feet on the ground and your eyes on the stars. Thank you for listening. To learn more about April Elliott Kent, please check out her website, BigSkyAstrology.com, where you can sign up for her newsletter, read her thought-provoking weekly essays, purchase her books, sign up for a personal astrology reading, and more. That's all for today. If you like what you're listening to, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast and hit subscribe to stay current with new episodes. You can follow Big Sky Astrology on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Big Sky Astrology. Thanks again for joining us and we'll catch you next time.